0: what is good church it is so good to be with you be honest with you since we had a little season of not being together seasons of being together just feel a little bit more special. Are you with me on that? So it's just so good that we could be here gathering together in person. And to every single person who is driving right now, watching online, do not look at me, look at the road. And for all of you who are at your home joining us, we love that you are with us. We love our online campus. Come on, can we show our online people some love? We're glad that you're a part of us. And, um, Like you heard Megan say, we're in our final couple of weeks of a series of talks that we have been calling our manifesto. And what we have said week in and week out is that a manifesto is a declaration Of intent. And so our desire in these days is to get clear about who we are so that we can clearly understand what we're called to do. Are you with me? And so what our manifesto does is it just makes it crystal. This is who we are and this is who we are fighting to become. And so if we all could read this together, can you do this with me? Are you with me this morning? All right, here we go. This is our manifesto. Read it with me. Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. Hope is our belief. Honor is our language. Celebration is our soundtrack. Transformation is our byproduct. And generosity is our standard. And for our time today, what I want to be leaning into really is a timely message based on the fact that there's going to be a big decision that is made on Tuesday. Everybody know what happens on Tuesday, right? Yes. And so what we're going to talk about is how honor is our language. Honor is our language. And what that means for us is that we want everything that we say and everyone who hears everything that we say to hear and experience and feel heaven. Honor is our language. If you're new to church, You might not know this about me. If you've been around for a while, you're going to know this very clearly about me, is that I will speak often more about the culture that we are creating than the things that we are doing. So rarely you're going to hear me talk about all the different things that we're doing in the city and the different things that we're a part of and everything that's going on around here because I want to talk about the atmosphere that those things are birthed in. I obsess about the culture that we're creating more than I obsess about the things that we're doing. Because a kingdom of heaven culture is a kingdom that leads to transformation. That when, a, when you step into a Jesus-centered, heaven-filled culture, it is impossible for you not to be impacted by it. Yeah. It is impossible for you not to be transformed in that place. Because culture is atmospheric. We feel culture in our senses. It's it's what you sense in a place, right? It's how something feels, right? We we could talk a lot about how there's a difference in culture and values. And what I mean is, is that we we can have the same values about how we want to run our family. But if you come to my house and I come to your house, how those values play out is the culture that we live in. And, And so we might have similar values, but our Cultures might be very, very different, and that's why we want to be somebody, be a people, excuse me, that talk about the culture that we want to create. And and my desire today is that very simply that we would come face to face with the fact that honor is the fertilizer in a culture of transformation. Honor is the fertilizer in the soil of a culture of transformation. If you have a Bible, I want you to jump to Romans 12. Romans 12 has been a piece of passage of Scripture that I find myself reading often as we have been in a very unique season as a nation. Romans 12, starting in verse 9, says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Another translation puts that sentence this way. Outdo one another in showing honor. Never be lacking in zeal. But be willing to associate with people of a lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in everyone's eyes. If it's impossible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. Let God handle the business. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I'll just say that'll preach all by itself. Yeah. Yeah. We could just say amen and go ahead and call it a day. Honestly, that would be, that'd make it an easier morning for me. But what I want to lean into specifically in our time today is verse 9, which says, again, outdo one another in showing honor. Pray with me, Jesus Lord we ask that you would get out of the way you would get me out of the way and allow your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven in this place and everyone who's watching Lord we're asking that we would have an encounter with the truth of your word and that we would be changed by it and everybody said cuz they're excited to be a church Amen, Amen. All right now A few years ago, some of you might know this about my story, I actually worked at the Antioch Church that is in Waco, Texas. And one of the things that I did for that church was I oversaw all of our experiences. And what that means is if something happened on a stage in front of somebody, I ran point or it's on the team that helped shape what that was gonna be. All the way from the little kids, all the way to conferences that we did, that was my responsibility. It was to oversee everything that was gonna be happening to make sure the teams had what they need, clarity about where we're going, and at the end of the day, really to help it happen when it was supposed to happen. Okay. Now, what that did was it gave me a few opportunities to do similar things outside of church. One of those opportunities was I was, I was actually hired to oversee a 12-band production that was going to be happening live in Nashville, Tennessee... On New Year's, that was gonna be kind of like this New Year's Eve celebration type thing, is we're gonna usher in the New Year together. And it was a very eclectic group of musicians. Everybody from Jeremy Camp to Matthew West to Lacrae was there. All right. So it was a spectrum, and it was 12 of kind of the top Christian artists of the time were gonna be there. And I was in charge of making the night happen, and more importantly, I was in charge of making the night happen on time, okay? Easier said than done when you're not just doing an event for a literally an arena for thousands of people live, but we had, I think the final count was over 100,000 people tuning in online. And they were all going to be ushering in New Year's with us. So what that means is, is that when we did the countdown, it actually needed to be the countdown, All right. Now, if you've tried to ever get 12 different groups of people to all line up to do things when there's a time clock involved, I need you to be here and do this. Okay, it was fun, but it was stressful. All right. I was super stressed out. And it was my responsibility to make sure that people were where they needed to be, when they needed to be there, and they knew what they were supposed to say when they got there. Okay, that was my job. Now, just so you know, like when Lecrae went on, I went into like the little back room and had a panic attack. Like it was super stressful. I was like going absolutely bananas, okay? Now, that just gives you a little little window into what was going on in my inner world. I was doing everything I could to try to hold this thing together and make it happen on time. And, And so I am looking at the host who was Matthew West, who became a good friend of mine. And I'm like, dude, Matthew, thank you. You've done an amazing job tonight. You have crushed it thank you so much, bro. And um, so here's the deal. You're done. You can go home, bro. Like, Lecrae's on. It's good. He's going to hit midnight. Man, go be with your kids. Bless you. He's like, for real? I can leave? I'm like, dude, get out of here, man. Like, you've, you've done great. Thank you so much. Okay, so he leaves. He was the host of the night. He was the guy who was between all of the different acts, okay? Now, this is what happened. Lecrae's manager comes over to me, and he's like, yo, this is Lecrae's last song. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's 1145. I was like, I need Lecrae to go to midnight. He goes, sounds like it's your problem, not mine. And I was like, okay, cool. So, look, you got to understand, I am a nobody, okay? No one knows who I am, right? No one wants to see me on television. No one's like, oh, there's that dude, J.D. Yeah, let's hear what he says. No, no, one see, no one's saying that, Okay. I'm the guy that's, that's behind the stage being like, yo, here's your mic, bro. Right? Okay. So I'm standing on the side of the stage. Lecrae's song ends. It's 11.50. All right? I'm like, dang it, what do I do? What do I do? I sent my host home. The guy who could have bailed me out, I sent him home. Okay? And so I'm on the side of the stage, and I'm like, "Ay, ay, ay, aye, aye. And so I, like Lecrae's song ends, it's like this big... And he's like, yeah, you know what I was like? You could feel it like this is it, this is it, this is it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I was like, dude, I want to get so fired. Thank you that they already paid me because I don't know what I'm about to do. And so I just took the stage. I didn't know what else to do. So I just like grabbed the mic and just ran up on the stage. Lecrae, it thinks it's going to be Matthew West. And so he's like, yo, Matthew, what's up? Right? And so I like walk out and I'm like, no, dog, it's JD. Like we're friends. Now, Lecrae looks at me like, dude, who are you, and are you supposed to be here right now, right? And so we have this interchange with our eyes where I'm like, bro, please, just roll with me, please, bro. And so we have these interchange where we're just like killing time, right? Just trying to be like, y'all, these people aren't ready for the new year, that kind of a thing. Just stalling, stalling, stalling all the way until we got to midnight, and we made it happen. I walk off the stage, and I'm like, whew, man, we pulled it off, dude, thank you. I can't believe that. And I get home, and I'm having some dinner with my friends, and they're like, dude, what happened, bro? Because we know that that was not supposed to be what happened. I fooled nobody. I learned a couple of lessons that night. One is always check the production order before you send your host home, okay? That's... That's number one. Number two, if you're not good at being on time, don't become in charge of an event that needs to be on time, okay? (laughs) That was number two. All right, and then the third thing I learned was something more that I saw than something that I personally experienced, and that was this. It was that I was blown away at the intentionality of whole teams of people to make sure that these artists had what they needed and had everything that they could even imagine of having readily available to them at every minute of the time that they were at the venue. Here's the thing this is not a knock on anybody that was there, or it it was impressive. Like I was like, wow, this is amazing. The intentionality that all of these, this this entire team of people is making sure that they have what they like so that they can do what they do. It was fascinating to observe. And as I was flying home, I actually kept running that through in my mind. I was like, wow, that was, that was unbelievable And it, it, it how specific and how intentional this team of people was to make sure that this very large group of people that all had different things that they wanted got those things when they wanted them. And it just hit me. I was like, you know what happens? It's honor naturally flows up. Like if, if you respect somebody, if somebody leads you or, or somebody inspires you and you run into them, honor kind of naturally flows that direction. You want to make sure they have a great experience. You want to make sure that they have what they need. You want to make sure that they feel seen. You want to make sure that they feel known. But but can I, can I just be really honest this morning? Is it the kingdom of the earth, honor flows in one direction. But in the kingdom of heaven, honor th- flows in all directions. Obviously, I don't think you heard what I said. The kingdom of heaven, honor flows in all directions. Right? That we, we are to outdo one another in showing honor. Not just to some, but to others everyone. So what this means for us is that honor is not reserved for those who are entertainers, those who are leaders, those who, are, uh, those who impacted us or blessed us. It's like, no, honor is something that all people Of all backgrounds, of all ethnicities, at all levels of society encounter when they encounter a culture of the kingdom of heaven. Honor does not flow in one direction. Honor flows in all directions. Are you tracking with what I'm saying today? Now, there is a very famous friendship that you will find in the Bible. And it's a very unlikely Friendship between two guys, one dude named David and another guy named Jonathan. Now, David, I'm assuming if you've had any experience with church, you know who David is. David was a shepherd who became a warrior, who became a king, who also God published his prayer journal in the Psalms. And aren't you thankful that God published his journal and not yours? Right. So David Was a very unique and important piece in the story that God was telling. In the word of God that led all the way to Jesus, which led to our salvation, are you thankful for David? Okay. Now, oftentimes we know that David was friends with this guy named Jonathan, but we don't fully understand who Jonathan was. Now, let's understand who Jonathan was. David, who was the guy who became the king of Israel because a guy named Saul lost his way, did his own thing, and then The consequence of that was he stepped outside of the protection in the hand of God and he was left unto himself. Okay, that's what sin does. If you're wondering, sin removes you from the covering of God and exposes you to the consequences of the decision that you made. Saul made his own decision, stepped outside of what God said to do, did what he thought would be a good thing to do. And because of that, it says the Spirit of God left Saul. And from that point on became the search for there to be a king that would replace Saul. That search led to David being found. Right? So David was to replace Saul. Saul's son was a guy named Jonathan. Now, this makes this an unlikely friendship on multiple levels. One being, Jonathan should have been frustrated, disappointed, and bitter at David. Because Jonathan was supposed to be king if his father wouldn't have screwed it up. All right? If you were going to be king and someone else's decision cost you that, do you think you would have a little bit of resentment in your soul to the person who took your place? Right, And so he should have been filled with bitterness, frustration, and disappointment. And here's the other side of the story. David should have not have trusted Jonathan. Mostly because the culture of the day was when you became king, anyone who remained from the line of the person who was the previous king was to be put to death. Why? Because you did not want anyone from the previous regime having any opportunity to take your place on the throne. So David not only should have been filled with a lack of trust from Jonathan because it's like, yo, this guy could be trying to take what I've been given. David also actually had cultural permission. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To defile, to actually destroy Jonathan. But David did not live from the kingdom of this world. When you live in a culture but it's not the same as the culture you live in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then you will begin to do things and behave in ways that don't make sense in light of the way that culture says that things should move. And then here we have this unlikely friendship of a new king and the one who should have been king, now best friends, wanting to bless one another and not hurt one another. David so cared for Jonathan that as David got older, he said, you know what? Is there anyone that is left? Is there anyone that's left from the the line of Saul and Jonathan? Is there anyone that's still living that that I can honor them? I, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to destroy them. I want to honor them, not not because of what they did, but simply because of who they are. And David found out that actually his old buddy Jonathan had a son. And his son's name, Jonathan's son's name, was Mephibosheth. 2 Samuel 9 verse 5 says, so King David had... Him, speaking of Mephibosheth, brought from Lodabar. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down and paid honor to him. A couple of things you need to understand about Mephibosheth. One is, is that Mephibosheth was broken. It says that he was lame in both of his feet. He had to be carried everywhere. And he was found in Lodabar. You know what Lodabar is? The hood. Lodabar was like the fifth ward in Houston in the Bible. You didn't, you didn't nothing good came out of Lodabar. No, no. The, the story that followed people's lives that were from Lodabar was tragic. It was not strategic. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You come out of Lodabar, it wasn't like, yo, you are set up to move things. It's like, no, you, you survived, good for you. Let me be honest with you, Mephibosheth did not find himself in Lodabar because David became king. He was in Lodabar because he didn't look like a king. He had been there. Because what culture tells us is that if you're going to be honored or if you're going to be in a place of honor, you have to look a certain way. You have to be able to do a certain thing. And so he was hidden. He was hidden from view. Put, just put out, separated from his family because he didn't look like a king. And so now you have David, the new king, seeking out this man who had been rejected by his own father. And not just seeking him out. It says that he bowed down to him. And he showed honor to him. We need to understand that honor that comes from the living God is an honor that is fueled because of who we are. It is not fueled out of what we've done. And this is the cultural clash within honor. We honor on the earth because of what people have done. God honors because of who people are. Mephibosheth couldn't do anything. He had to be carried everywhere. He literally was rejected in a rejected family, yet David showed him honor, not because he did something, but because he was something. In the house of God, no matter if you feel like you can do nothing, you feel like your life is worthless, there's a place for you to be honored here. There's a place for you to be honored here, a place for you to feel the spirit of the living God speaking to you and the glory of God coming on you because he made you on purpose for a purpose. Not because you've done anything for him, but simply because honor is the kingdom. Honor is the kingdom. It doesn't matter what you've done. It just matters that you are honored. Who you are. I want you to see that 2 Samuel 9 goes on to say, This is David speaking to Mephibosheth I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belongs to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. You will always eat at my table. Now, listen to what Mephibosheth says. You, you realize that David just gave him back everything that he lost because of the decision of his grandfather. Right? Because that's what honor does. Honor honors you because of who you are, not because of what you've done. And, and all of a sudden, he's faced with restoration and not Disappointment. He's faced with restoration and not destruction. And his response is this. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Can I say that what honor does is it exposes what we think about ourselves. When we show somebody honor, it exposes what they think about themselves selves. Mephibosheth was like, how in the world could you do this? I'm I'm worthless. I'm a dead dog. Why would you give me this? Why would you show this level of kindness to me? I don't deserve this. Do you you see me? I'm broken. I'm washed up. I'm worthless. I'm like a dead dog. I, I can't even be, I can't even come and greet you at your house when you show up after work. I'm, I'm no good to you. Why would you show me this honor? God uses honor to heal our hearts. God uses honor to heal us. Not only is it bringing up what Mephibosheth thinks about himself, we have to understand that David... Had to do some hard work in himself to get to this place. I think sometimes we read stories in the Bible, we forget that these were homies. These were dudes. All right. Mephibosheth's grandfather, Saul, tried to kill David. Chased him. Hunted him down. I think David probably had some thoughts. Probably had some opinions about what he wanted to do to Saul. Am I talking to anybody alive at church? Okay, y'all got all dressed up and acting all spiritual. Nah. Look, look, you you get somebody who's chasing you, wants to kill you, wants to steal everything that you have been given. You're going to have some thoughts about that person. You're going to have to do some work within your soul to be able to sit at a table with that person. Right? Honor is hard work. Can I just go ahead and tell you that? Honor is hard work. Honor is not emotional. Honor is a choice. Honor is something that we do. It is not something that we all the time feel. Look, I know we don't believe this as a culture because I watch the news. And right now, it is so lit up with the culture of dishonor. That it has become the language of our culture to see somebody be defeated because of what they've done and ignore the fact of who they are. I'm going to say something crazy. Can I say something crazy? I have not heard one political campaign commercial that is godly. I don't care who you're voting for on Tuesday. Okay, that is not a language of honor. That's not a language of honor. I'm not saying that we sit back and be silent, but I say the culture is dying for us to stand up and teach them how to speak with honor, even if we disagree with somebody. Can I say that you can disagree with somebody and still honor them? We could be on the most opposite sides on how you want to address any issue that you've ever heard of in the entire country and we can still honor one another because honor has nothing to do with agreement. Honor has everything to do with the position. And in a day and age when our culture is crying out for unity, but speaking in a way that only leads to division. We have to stand up and begin to flood our conversations with honor and not argument. We have to flood our conversations with honor and we have to do the hard work of even when it's not easy to invite somebody who looks different than us, that thinks different than us, that believes different than us, that votes different than us to come and sit at our table. David told Mephibosheth, you can sit at my table. I'm going to have a place for you at my table. You are welcome here anytime you want to come here. Not only am I going to give you back what you have lost, I'm going to put you in a place of honor in my house. You know, there's a difference in honoring somebody where everybody can see it and honoring somebody at your table. Let me tell you what's not honor. Can I tell you what's not honor? What's not honor is saying the right thing in front of somebody and acting a fool behind somebody. That's called being passive aggressive, not honor. If you don't have the courage to say it to their face, you don't have the courage to say it at all. I'm going to get some emails this week. I'm feeling it. It is about us not talking the way that culture is telling us that we have to talk. I'm telling you, church, if we get a hold of this, we're going to see some things shift. We're going to see some things change. There was an article that was written in the Washington Post, and it was titled, The Retribalization of America. And within this article, it is the most accurate description of where I feel like we are as a culture. This is what it says. The American public is now composed of self-seeking tribes, each of whom views its success in terms of defeating its enemies. How just right is that? That we are just of these self-seeking tribes that view success only in terms of defeating its enemies. And in this world, we have all been affected by this. We're not immune to it because we go to church and then we're involved in a life group. And, man, I hope you're walking in a discipleship relationship with somebody. that someone knows your stuff and somebody can pray for you and believe God for breakthrough with you. Because that's where things change. You want to see transformation in your city, start transforming somebody's life, one person's life. As our culture seems to be so committed to division, we need to see unity come when the voices of honor get louder than the drama of fighting for who's right and who's wrong, we gotta make space at our tables. So they're yelling each other, we need to honor each other. Honor is our language. Can I say this? Honor does more than lead to encouragement. Honor unlocks the supernatural, supernatural power of heaven. In our lives. This is the words of Jesus. Mark 6 verse 4. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town. Among his relatives and in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there. This is Jesus. Except to lay on his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Honor and power go hand in hand. A culture of honor is a culture of power because a culture of honor breeds an atmosphere of faith. And our culture needs power right now. You hear me? Our families need power right now. Okay? Our relationships need power right now. And this is why we are going to be a house that fights to honor, to do the hard work in ourselves, to be able to have a space at our table for people who don't look like us, who don't believe like us, who don't talk like us, to have a place. And we are going to honor them, not because they've done anything, but because of who they are. Because they are made in the image of a perfect God. And God didn't mess up when he made somebody who doesn't think like you thinks. Come on now. It is our opportunity and, and dare I say, our responsibility to be a place where the kingdom of heaven can get relational. Where the kingdom of heaven can get personal, where we can sit across the table from people that we don't agree with, but heaven shows up because we're honoring one another and we're not just arguing with one another. And if we want to start seeing things change and unity where there's division and healing where there's brokenness, honor has to be the language that we're speaking. Because honor breeds healing, and honor breeds an atmosphere of faith, and when there's an atmosphere of faith, there's an atmosphere of the the impossible becoming possible. We have to outdo one another. We have to outdo one another in, in showing honor. So that's our challenge. Right from the Bible to us, as we are staring in the face of a day that that everyone is predicting is going to be catastrophic. A day when, when the divisions that are within us are on display in every way, shape, or form. And, and, and we have the, the opportunity to show up at our place of work, at our schools, at, 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 at your mom's group, whatever you're going to be doing this week, showing up saying, you know what? I am going to disrupt the culture of argument with the culture of honor. Wow. All right? What would happen if we started speaking up and shutting down? the culture that is dividing us and bringing the culture that can unify us. So when you start hearing this like disgruntled grumblings about what did or didn't happen say hey, 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 hold on, hold on. That's not who we are. Because last time I read the Bible the government is in His hands okay the government Jesus is my savior Trump is not my savior Biden is not my savior Jesus is my savior and and what we need to happen on Tuesday is we need Jesus to come to earth instead of riots what if we got revival instead of cities burning out of disappointment and frustration what if cities burned with the glory of God Come on, church. Are you willing to believe with me that honor will be bigger than argument, that the unity of heaven will be bigger than the destruction of division? Because, look, all it takes is faith of a mustard seed, and we can look at a mountain, the Bible tells us, and we can say, you're going to be thrown into that sea right there. And I think the opportunity for us is to say, you know what, we're looking at a mountain right now, culturally. And God is looking at us and saying, hey, is there people there with the faith of a mustard seed to not be freaked out that they're looking at a mountain, but to start speaking to the mountain. To start talking to it. Man, this election matters, but you know what matters more? Heaven coming to earth. I don't care who's president. If God shows up, we good. Come on now. I know that makes some of y'all really frustrated. I'm for real. My savior is Jesus. My hope is Jesus. He is in control. He is the one that's on the throne. He is the one that will ultimately have the last say. And my responsibility here on earth is to do everything I can so that everywhere that I go, every place my footsteps every office building I walk in, every neighbor that i say hi to, every person that I buy coffee from, every place my, f- oh, heaven just showed up right here. Oh, this place just got occupied. We, we're, we're occupying this place now with faith. We're occupying this place with grace. We're occupying this place with hope. We're occupying this place with honor. And we're gonna say, you know what, darkness? You're not dark enough. It's not dark enough because we just showed up. We just showed up. It's honor. Honor is our language. Hope is our belief. Transformation is our byproduct. Serving is our privilege. Celebration is our soundtrack. Jesus is our message. A church alive is a church that will see what is broken restored and made new let's all stand to our feet i want you to begin just to declare the glory of god in this place lord we love you we love you jesus lord we say that you are the alpha and the omega you are the beginning and you are the end and we put our hope in you we put our hope you and God, we're asking that you would fill our lives and fill our mouths with the kingdom of heaven. That we would be those who honor, that be those who love, be those who bring healing, bring those who bring transformation, be those who bring unity by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said.